Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday. It's October 13th, Friday the 13th, and welcome to Riding Away. I'm Mark Healy, the managing editor of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. Uh, good show on tap for you today. Nick Campagnon, who is, uh, you know, a, a local kid, Rockaway Park, uh, an impressive young man who's doing really well uh, in, in real estate. And, you know, this is a guy that uh, has piqued our interest because not only is he, uh, as I said, an impressive young man, but he's also doing some great things uh, in the community and, and giving back, really, um, you know, to, to people in need. You know, after Superstorm Super Sandy uh, hit the peninsula, uh, Nick Campagnon, he worked with the Greybeards, he helped collect hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Sandy Relief Fund, and uh, you know, as I said, we invited him to the office to sit down for for the for the podcast, so that you know he could let uh, the rest of you know, you know what he's up to now. And he made the cover this week because, uh, as I said, I really think that uh, this is a guy who we should pay attention to, and certainly uh, want to help him raise as much money as he can uh, for the charity that is. Um, that he, that he's working for, which is God's love, we deliver. So, without further ado, here's our interview with uh, Nick Campagnon, and um, I, I think uh, you'll come away with it uh, from it as impressed uh, as the rest of we were. Okay, we're talking with uh, Nicholas Campagnon. Um, Nicholas, let's talk about uh, your background. You know, you 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 live here in Rockaway. Did yeah. you grow up here in Rockaway as well? Yeah, no, I was raised here when I was about six years old. We moved to, from Gravesend, uh, and we moved right to the Rockaways, and I've lived in the same house ever since. And you, you know, you went to Zavarian. Yeah. Uh, you graduated from Zavarian. A lot of people around here certainly know Zavarian. Right. Um, then you went to Catholic University, and you started to study. What did you study in Catholic University? I studied philosophy and psychology. That was my that was my major that I focused on. And is that a career you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I wanted to become a psychologist, right? That was kind of the goal. Um, after I got out of college, I said, I got to pay for it. So uh, I said, and I was always into sales. My father was a big real estate investor. And he, uh, like I said, he was he was kind of helping me manage properties. So when I was a kid, I would pick up the rent checks at properties that he owned and uh and yeah, so my first deal in real estate was with six siblings, and none of them liked each other, and they were all insistent on 
doing something different. And we sat in a room and we figured things out. By the end of the day, not only did they agree to sell the house, but they got along. So as I was saying, you don't have to be a uh, you don't have to get a doctorate to become a therapist. A lot of crisis management and kind of working out therapy in my job. So you had that kind of twofold thing where. You know, your dad kind of taught you the business yeah. as you were growing up. Yeah. Uh, then you went to school and, and got all this training and all these other things. Uh, and so you didn't choose to become a therapist, but certainly yeah. that training had to help you, not, you know, with the, especially with the combination of learning at your basically your dad's knee. Right. You know, the business and all the ins and outs of it. Right. So I find that you generalize the younger you are what you want to be right when you're a kid you want to be somebody special like a superman or a batman like a superhero right, right? right. like when i was a kid i wanted to be a horse jockey but then i became six foot four yeah. and that that dream when they say you could be anything you want if you put your mind to it there's physical limitations to that mantra so i uh, as i got older i wanted my my life was i tried devoting my life to either helping people or doing something that people would be uh benefiting from right um so like after sandy happened i co-created with the Greybeards, the the hurricane relief and so as i got older i kind of particularized what i wanted to do as far as how i help people but real estate is a great way to kind of get through that where you can help people and you can you know do something like transact real estate how you know i'll touch on this again because yeah. i always find it to be incredibly helpful when you have someone, you know, like a dad who you trust implicitly um, to give you advice, you know, someone to go to, you know, someone, you know, a consigliere, uh, as it it were, someone who can, who can give you advice without agenda, you know, someone who could give you pointers without, you know, without that obstacle or that force field of, you know, well, what is this person getting out of this advice? Like an ulterior motive. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. that's got to be that's got to be huge as you move forward in this business. Well, so he's actually my stepfather, but I've he's been my dad since I was a baby. Right. Um, and he's an immigrant, so he came when he was 18 years old. He lived in the he was a Coptic from from Egypt, and he came to America, started his own business. He's kind of that classic immigrant story. Came to the country with ten dollars in my pocket. So I mean, the lessons he instilled in me, I'm extremely grateful for because the things that I learned from him I'm not sure many people could have taught me and I don't even know if it was so much of the words he said to me I just watched him work and in doing so I think I learned most of my lessons from him so you made the you made the the call to do this full time yeah um how much has the you know I hate using this term but the renaissance of Rockaway, how much has that played into your success, you know, so far, you know, as you move forward? Well, when I transitioned into the, to a full-time position with real estate and I moved with Douglas Sullivan, Douglas Sullivan's the number one company in New York. It's a fantastic company. Um, me and my boss sat down and she said, what do you, where do you see yourself in the real estate game? I said, well, I believe in my neighborhood. I believe that that's where, I believe that that's a neighborhood that really is kind of untouched as far as real estate value goes. Um, And I think a lot of local people feel a similar sentiment with the ferry coming in and a lot of people from South Brooklyn trying to come into the Bell Harbor area. So, I mean, Rockaway, I think, represents a lot of what uh, neighborhoods miss, right? There's this sense of community that a lot of old school neighborhoods had. 
um, and there's this sense of belonging because of that community. And all of these things happen while you're on the beach. So the, so the, the, the setting is second to none. Um, not to mention that ferry came in, so paradise is less than an hour away from the city. That's what I'll always say. Um, so I believe there's a, unlimited, untapped potential into the neighborhood. And uh, it's not where I focus on the off-season because it is a cyclical market, so it's seasonal in the summertime and springtime. Most of the other times we do in Manhattan and downtown Brooklyn. But I believe that the Rockaways is the next Hamptons. Um, you know, people have said that. People have yeah. talked about that. People, um, but the peninsula is a funny place. Sure. Uh, it can look at progress sometimes as a bad thing. Uh, even after Sandy and even after rebuilding and even after getting back right. and all the people coming and you have all these different issues, uh, whether it's parking, whether it's, you know, what a lot of people say sure. uh, to real estate people and selling sure. and real estate is uh, gentrification. That's like the word that Understood. everybody says. Um, but I also have heard from other real estate people that we deal with here at The Wave and who I talk to when I go to community board meetings and things like that is that in some ways, even though gentrification has a terrible reputation, um, it does, in many ways, and I'd like your opinion on this, uh, it does in many ways uh, you know, improve a neighborhood. Yeah. It improves real estate value. It makes uh, a community better overall. Yeah. Now, there might be some people that get caught up in that, uh, you know, in that maelstrom, but at the end of the day, you know, gentrification can be good for, especially for a neighborhood like Rockaway. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that it's not as simple as black and white, either you're for or against it. Right. I think you look historically at gentrification, it's done some fabulous things, it's done some horrible things. Right. I think it's the way it was handled. Um, so as far, I think you just kind of have to look at the laws the way they're at currently, right? So, and, and basically just the real estate land on the just sheer size. There's only so much you can build uptown. So uptown, it's kind of limited as far as the Far Rockaways are considered. A lot of the, the residential development got downgraded, right? So you can only build a certain level. You look at real estate investors, commercial, big developers. Um, those people are looking to build Avalon Bay-style buildings, 42, 43-story buildings, ones in Sheepshead Bay, things like that. Right. You can't do that here. It's only things like three, four floor buildings that you can really build the way it stands right now. You can get a variance, but that's a different thing. So I think you're limited to how much of gentrification can happen in the neighborhood. Um, if it does happen, and I think it certainly will, I really think that it's, it's up to the people that currently handle affordable housing to make it done as swiftly and as appropriately as possible. You don't want to force people out. That's not how you handle things. We've seen, we've seen it happen in the Bronx and it happened terribly in Yonkers, especially. So I think the way to do it appropriately is, you know, to, well, I think it needs to be handled appropriately, but I, I would certainly never suggest stopping progress. I would be out of a job if I said that, <laughs> right? right? But I, I do understand the concerns on the other side of the story. I just think that there's a, there, is a, there is a definite way to mesh the two and find a happy balance. So, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, Sandy and you talked a little bit about how, you know, you want to give to others, you know, yeah. be, be, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. Um, I, I know that, that, you know, one of the reasons you wanted to come on today was to talk about uh, some of those efforts. Why don't we talk about that for a little bit? Okay. Good segue. I, um, well, so last year when I started up at the, when I started this, this reInvent program Douglas Elliman has, 
um, we decided that we were doing a 100-mile bike ride. We've been doing it for a couple of years, but this is my first year doing a 100-mile bike ride from Atlantic Highlands to Atlantic City um, to our convention that we have for the weekend. But the reason why we were doing this 100-mile bike ride is for a charity called God's Love We Deliver. We were trying to raise money for them. God's Love We Deliver, people that don't know, it's on Spring and 6th in Manhattan downtown. Um, it's a charity that started in the 80s. There was this one woman who her friend was very sick, very ill. She couldn't leave the house. So what she would do is she would pack, prepare, and, you know, cook and go deliver on her bicycle the meals to her friend's house. 30 years later, they just delivered their 20 millionth meal to people all across the state that are in need. Rockaway also included in that. Um, people that are in need, can't leave the house, too sick, um, or have problems with their health, that can't leave the house, and, and need, or dietary restrictions. So God's Love We Deliver, I mean, is an incredible charity as far as helping the people in need in New York. And so you obviously like to ride your bike. You're, you're a Rockaway guy. You I like take to that ride your walk. bike. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, when, is, when is the next one? When is, the, is there one coming up? Yeah, so this one's in Connecticut. So it's a little more hilly. It's October 21st. Um, same thing to the reInvent ride, but it's 100 miles. Uh, and um, same thing. We're just trying to raise as much funds as possible to, um, to go out. And, and, you know, every $10 that's donated to the charity, and so far we have close to $100,000 raised for our charity, um, every $10 that's donated is another meal for somebody in need. So if you donated, say, $50, it's, you fed somebody for a week. Now, now, how do, how do people, you know, donate? Like, do they, do you, like, sign them up? Do you have a, you know, a place where they can go to donate? Yeah, so we, we are affiliated with CrowdRise. So if you go on CrowdRise.com slash Nicholas Compagnon 1, and if you can put that link up, that would be very helpful because I know Compagnon is kind of a difficult uh, name to spell. But if you go up there, um, it shows the link directly to donate. Everything's deduct, totally deductible, 501c3, the whole nine. But you just click on that link. You give out your information. That's one way to do it. You can do PayPal. There's a bunch of different ways. But that's the website to go on. 100 miles? 100 miles. Yeah, that's crazy. Have you ever done it? Uh, no. Have you done 20 miles? Um, I, I've, 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 never, I've never, no, I have not. <laughs> Maybe uh, collectively. I think you could do it. I think you could do it. Well, you know, I, I, that's nice that you think that. I, 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 and I'm saying this because I've seen, I'm out of breath on my 80th mile last year, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's starting to get a little tough. And uh, my friend, I won't say her name because what I'm about to say about her, she wouldn't love it. She's about 75 years old, just zooms right past me on the ride. So if I, you know, there's a lot of people that don't think they can do it, and they're, they're breaking records doing it. I would have to work myself up. Yeah. You know, I used to be an athlete. I am yeah. completely out of shape. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm in better shape than I was, let's say, two years ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I let me see if I can handle doing the boardwalk. Do the boardwalk. That's Maybe if I did the boardwalk a mm -hmm. couple of times, maybe yeah. that would help. I mean, I've walked the boardwalk plenty of times. Like, I've not all the way, yeah. but, like, from here to, like, at the end. Sure. I've done that twice in one day. Sure. Um, and I almost, you know, needed resuscitation. <laughs> But <laughs> my friend just did a half marathon on the boardwalk. Oh, yeah. And I told her, I said, I don't know how the heck you do that. And I'm training for a 100 miler and I'm, I could do 70, 80 miles and I'm having not a problem with it. But the fact that she ran without a bike or any music or anything like that, I think that's that's heroic. I can never do something like that. So I think it's a perception thing. You build yourself up. Let me let me go back to the 
you know, because we're talking about Rockaway, we're talking about fitness. Let me yeah. go back, you know, to, you know, the real estate just for a second because, you know, like I have I have plenty of friends in real estate. Sure, freedom. Um, I, I understand property. Sure. Uh, that you know it becomes valuable and yeah. certainly can be a uh, an economic engine for a family. Right. You know, certainly if 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 they're not going into real estate and buying property, at least their own property. Right. If they buy smart. And if they invest properly, that it can be something that's, you know, really can be the centerpiece of, of a family and how they earn and how they live mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone who doesn't really understand how, like, how do you, where do you get your clients from? Like, what, what is it about you? Like, how do you go about, I mean, do you cold call? I mean, how, how, what's the process of becoming a successful it, real estate agent? It's, it's hard i mean it's like very um romantic it's romanticized on television like million dollar listing like things like that it makes it look like when you get those phone calls and the negotiation and it's like that's so hard that's the calls you want that and you only get those every so often um when i started i was doing a lot of door knocking i was doing a lot of cold calls i was tapping into my sphere of influence all my friends and family members and everyone and that certainly works especially if you have a good sphere of influence that you're very close with um I think a lot of real estate agents, they kind of spread themselves too thin with different neighborhoods and they never really focus on one area. So my first year, what I did was just educate myself mostly on the market, figuring out how I can do that, going to showings, going to rental showings, knowing that I wouldn't even rent it out, but just, just to learn about the market. And then I, uh, I did a deal uptown. I mean, this is how I kind of set foot in the Rockaways. I did a deal uptown. And the neighborhood sells for about 450 to 550 price per square foot. Uptown, and we sold at 703 or 706 a square foot, which broke the record um, for houses that didn't come totally furnished and houses that came on a on a certain lot size. But but that was, I mean, that was definitely the got more business because of that. So when that was found out, other people started contacting me to sell their house. So it's mostly referrals now. How much is, does it help you being from this neighborhood with all of this, all of its? intricacies and all of its, you know, rules and all of its, how does that allow you to communicate? Like, like, because you're in a, we're at a point now in real estate where, you know, you have to be upfront. You can't Mm. like, you can't let things slip. You know, you have to, you really have to tell everyone everything. So when you tell people about the parking and you tell people about all these different rules and uh, beach access and how it changes. And I mean, that's got to, like I said, since you're from here, that has to really allow you to be much better at your job, let's say, than somebody who doesn't live here and is selling in this in this. Oh, like being not because I'm knowledgeable yeah. out there. Yeah, I think, and I think the neighborhood likes that too. I think they want to work with because it's such a it's such a great sense of community in the neighborhood right. that I think that people whether they hire or buy local, they kind of want to hire someone that's familiar with the neighborhood also. So even though we're a big Manhattan real estate firm, that's kind of the pitch when I go into a listing appointment. I'm like, well, look, we have the marketing. We have 400,000 hits a month on our website. Um, but I, I know that on the corner, Ken, Ken just turned 40 years old. And I know that his daughter's going to school. Like, so I knew exactly. Cause, so I think there's, if you can blend the two from the big, the big ideas or the big marketing and the targets, to kind of really knowing who's who in this neighborhood and what this neighborhood is about, um, and also trying to keep a, a similar, you know, 
keeping the strong fabric of the sense of community that the neighborhood has. I think that that's really the key of, of why I'm able to kind of tap into the neighborhood. Well, there's definitely, you know, a tremendous value in authenticity. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. you know, it's one thing to say that you know something, but it's another when you've lived it. And, yeah. and again, you know, it goes back to growing up in the business. You've yeah. seen it evolve. You've seen it change. You've Absolutely. seen it. You've seen it, uh, you know, move forward. In some cases, maybe even take steps backward. Right. But uh, this ability that you have to kind of uh, use more than one tool in your toolbox to get the job done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that this neighborhood's there's tremendous amount of good people in this neighborhood. I mean, so when I approached after Sandy trying to raise money outside of the neighborhood, I mean, everybody was very helpful because they knew the Rockways, they knew the people here. When I came here last year talking to people about donating to the bike ride, everybody was very helpful because I think everybody, you know, knows that people need help. And this neighborhood, because of how close-knit it is, I think people know a lot of everybody who's who and what needs what. I mean, you look at the graybeards. When a house falls down, they're there to help build it right. up. Right. So, I mean, I think that that's why this neighborhood's incredible, you know, um, for us, not only, aside from the business side, just on the charity side, to get in here and ask for some help. The neighborhood's great for that. And I think that that goes to the authenticity because people actually care. So if people want to get in touch with you, uh, Nicholas, how do they go about it? Big call. They can give me a call, um, 718-840-2036. Uh, that's my office number. If they're looking to reach me on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash Nick Um And all the information for the charity um, is on my website, but it's crowdrise.com slash Nicholas Campagnone 1. Uh, that's C-O-M-P-A-G-N-O-N-E 1. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, anybody listening, if they can just give a little bit, you're actually making a big difference in somebody's life. Well, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark.